So good to be with you, everyone watching online, everyone here in the room at Northwest and at all of our campuses. So glad you're carving out some of your weekend and you're here with us. And just want to start today by celebrating, celebrating a little bit. Um, for those of you just checking us out, a couple weeks ago, we did something for the very first time called Serve Week. And here was the big idea behind it. We just wanted to take our whole church and say, on this week, we're going to love our city really well by serving them. And we've had some incredible stories come through. If you follow us on social media, you got to check these out. There's been some amazing stories of just how you guys are serving people in your community, loving your neighbors really, really well. That's exciting. And also just wanted to share with you two things that have already come in uh, as a result of Serve Week. One is that we brought in almost two, over 2,000 items, uh, almost all of those being coats for kids here in our city. That's one week's time. Come on. The second thing, because of your generosity, we raised $7,000 for juvenile justice ministry as one week. Come on. It's incredible to see and just to know that we're still going. We are still, that is one of the main ways that we, that we live as a church is to serve the people around us. And also want to take a second and celebrate uh, because it is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I just want to uh, appreciate myself. Uh, no, joking, joking. No, I want to take a second and uh, celebrate our pastor, my pastor, uh, Aaron Brockett. All right? Yeah, come on. Uh, some of you know this. I was actually on, uh, I attended this church before I was ever on staff here. So he's been my pastor for over 10 years now. And just super thankful for him for every single week, week in and week out, him teaching from God's word and literally changing my life. So one more time, can we celebrate Brockett right now? Incredible. Well, hey, and today we are jumping back into our series in Luke. And uh, for you that are just checking out and maybe you don't even know what Luke is, Luke is really just a written account of the life of Jesus. And maybe you're saying that's part of the reason why you're here. You heard something about Jesus. You like his teachings. You want to know more. I'm telling you, Luke is a great book to read. I use this little Bible. It's pretty small, but it's only like 29 pages, the book of Luke is. You can knock it out this week. It's filled with miracles and life-changing teachings. I'm telling you, check it out. And today we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 6. So as you flip or scroll there, I'm going to give you something to think about and then more than enough time to find your way there. But think of this. Think of the best seasons of your life. Think of the best seasons of your life. Have a little bit of a flashback, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, I'm living in the best season of my life, and that's awesome if you are, and I hope you are. But think back. Like, what are some of the seasons in your life that you share about the most, that you share stories of, that you daydream about, that you'll catch yourself just walking down the hallway just smiling, and you don't realize you're smiling, but you're thinking about that thing, and then someone looks at you, and you're like, why are you being creepy and smiling as you walk? Uh, it's because you remember that season in your life. And as I was thinking about this myself, I'm, I'm be honest with you, the first thing that came to my mind, my, one of my favorite seasons in, in life, was when I worked at Burger King. All right? So some of you are like, you've had a horrible life, man. That's your best season. I'll tell you why. It was the most fun ever. 
I was there for about five years, and I really thought I was the king of the burgers, all right? So worked all the time, worked with incredible people. I'm talking, you know, Matt and Kaylin and Johnny and Jamie and Marcus and Nine Toe Joe. Like, it was, it was the best times ever. If anyone knows Nine Toe Joe, let him know that yeah, he has a spot here at Traders whenever he wants to come. But it was, it was unbelievable. But what was it that made it unbelievable? It wasn't the pay, as you can imagine. I, I, I didn't make a, a lot of money. I did get to see beautiful parts of the world, like Brazil. Brazil, Indiana, which is uh, it's not the same. It's actually nothing like the real Brazil. If you're from Brazil, I, I apologize, but you know that before, before today. Um, it wasn't that. It wasn't that I, you know, felt purpose or worth from selling a double whopper with cheese and onion rings. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't even the benefit that I got that I could give away free food to some friends in high school or maybe even some lucky ladies that were coming through the drive-thru. And just so you know, if you ever got free food from me, it came with a cost. For any food that I gave out, I had to wrestle grown men in the back of the Burger King. And if I would win was the only way you got free food. But it wasn't even that, the wrestling matches in the back of the Burger King. What made it the best? Why is it still a season that I look at? It's because I had community. You see, the people I worked with were the people I grew up with, the people I lived with, the people I hung out with. We did everything together. It wasn't because of Burger King. It was because I had community. And I bet if you flip back on your life and you think about the best seasons that you've experienced, you probably had the best community around you. It wasn't because you had a thing that you loved. Like I know we tell stories maybe of high school where you were, you were on the basketball team. But I'm telling you, you didn't love life because you were really good at basketball. I've seen you. You couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. It wasn't because you were really good at basketball. It's because you had people around you. It wasn't because you loved cheerleading. It wasn't because you loved the chess club. It wasn't because you had a thing you loved. It's because you had people that loved you. There's something here with this, this community vibe that Jesus is going to hint on here in Luke chapter 6. And what's fascinating to me is that as I was kind of studying this week, uh, I was looking at this scripture, the scripture that I've read, you know, before, but under in my study Bible, it gave it this heading that I'd never thought of these verses under that heading before. And here was the heading, teachings for a new community. Like that's what we're going to be looking at, not only this week, but in the weeks to come of what does Jesus have to say about community? Because there's something here that, that, that our best seasons in life are not necessarily marked by the best circumstances, but by the best community. And what does God have to say about that? And just to give you a little bit of a, a backstory before we start in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, there is a lot going on, right? Jesus has just spent all night up on a mountain praying to God, nonstop, just praying, seeking after God. And we see pretty quickly why. Because when he, when he comes down, he actually uh, gives 12 people this role of apostle. What he's doing is giving them an early invitation. They're going to be a part of his community. They're going to learn all about the way he operates and what he wants from humanity here on earth. So he names these 12, which is, which is just fascinating. If you just begin to think about this story through another lens that God was creating community through. I mean, and maybe it reminds you of Moses. 
Moses was this guy in the Old Testament who God talked to on the top of a mountain. He prayed to all day and all night, and he came down with what? Ten Commandments. And maybe you've heard Ten Commandments. You're like, I don't really know what they are, do's and don'ts. But no, what they were was teachings for a new community. God was trying to establish a new community then, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Now he said the best life is going to be found in community. And it's just, it's just, maybe I'm just a nerd, but it's kind of cool to think about of when Moses came down to give the Ten Commandments to the 12 tribes of Israel, now it's just kind of funny that Jesus steps down off this mountain and he gives his new way, his, his new way for community to the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. And what Jesus is going to roll out here, in, starting in verse 20, are the values of this community. What does this community value over everything else? And it's, it's upside down from your normal way of life. It's upside down from the normal communities that maybe you've fallen into over the years. And we're going to read a large chunk all together and then kind of break it down from there. But take a look at this. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20. It says, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. And God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. And God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. But what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man, because you follow me? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember their ancestors. We got people already celebrating. Treated the ancient prophets the same way. And now he's, he's going to give these blessings to these people that no one would have expected. And then he's going to flip it and take a look at this. But what sorrow awaits you who are rich? For you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now? For your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also praised false prophets. Woo. So he lays out this, this, this big kind of overarching value system for this community. And he kicks things off by saying, blessed are you who are hated, mocked, ridiculed, poor, crying, starving. Some of you are like, I don't think that's the community I want to be a part of. I'm from that community. I just left that community. I'm trying to get away from that community. But there, there's something here within this that, that God's actually saying, no, 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 this is something that you want to be a part of. That, that it's actually better in this community for you to be poor, for you to have nothing at all, but for you to have me that's worth more than anything else. That, it, that it's better for you to be hungry now and to have me than to be full. That, it, that it's better right now that, that you might be mourning, but no matter what's taken from you in this community that I'm going to offer you, you will always have a reason to celebrate because you will always have me and I will never abandon you. There's this incredible value system that Jesus is laying out there. But maybe you're like me. When I read that, I thought, would I think that's true? Of, if those things were true about me, would I feel blessed? 
Would I feel close to God? Would I feel like that's what God's community, that's what he wants for me? Because I've, I've experienced a lot of those. Maybe you have too. I've been poor. Not like funny, ha ha. I mean like I was, it was tight. Money was tight. When you're at the gas station, like $7.63. We're going to get through the week on this. I've had a job working nights where the manager told me to my face. It wasn't like I accidentally found this out. He told me to my face, you are not worth the $8 an hour we're paying you. I didn't feel blessed. I've mourned at funerals. I've mourned at the funeral for, for a baby. I wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't feel blessed in that moment. But there's something here that God's saying, Jesus is saying, that, that to have me in this moment is so much better than anything else that can be provided. That, 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 that the core of, of, of your life, the best life, the best seasons, it's not found in circumstances. But it's going to be found in community, and you can always have me. You can count on that. But I also think it's important to kind of define what blessings really mean, because it's uh, it's kind of changed over the past few thousand years. That you know now when we see blessings, we think of like you know hashtag blessed, right? Something good has come. I, I got a good gift. I got something that is mine now. Now I feel better, and that's part of it. But it was actually a really big conversation in the day of Jesus, and it was a, it was a broader conversation of. What does the blessed life look like? Here's one way to think about it. What does the ultimate human experience look like? You ever wondered that? They debated and talked about it all the time. What, what would the best human experience look like? What does it look like for human flourishing to be possible? And many people, just like us today, that we would say it is not crying. It is not weeping. We would actually probably tend to fall to the other side, even 2,000 years later, if we would say, what does the good life look like? Well, it looks like power. It looks like success. It looks like money. It looks like comfort. If we would have those things or when we have those things, that's whenever we would have the good life. That's whenever we could experience what God has for us. But Jesus says, no, no, it's actually, it's more valuable. What I'm going to give you, it's more valuable than all the riches in the world. What I'm going to give you is more valuable to you and to your community than anything that you could attain. This is only something that you can receive and it will change the way you live. That's what values do. And I love the way one commentator put it, Michael Wilcox. He said, it's a remarkable reversal of values that will be seen first. And look, look at this quote that he says. In the life of God's people, it will be seen first of all, a remarkable reversal of values the people of God will prize what the world calls pitiable and suspect what the world thinks desirable. And I know, like I said, we think we've evolved as a people in the past 2,000 years. In some ways we have, but in, in other ways we're falling into the same trap. Of what does the good life look like? What does it look like for human flourishing? What is the ultimate human experience? Maybe you would define it the same way that they defined it. Maybe some of the characteristics for you would be what they laid out there of rich, fat, laughing, and praised. And some of these are easier to kind of take at face value and some take a little bit more work. But here's what it is. To be rich, it's more than just, you know, having money. It's power, right? That's what wealth is. It's to have power. That's why when people don't have money or live in poverty, it's not just that they don't have money. It's that they're powerless. They don't have a voice. But they thought, yeah, to be rich, that was to have power. To be fat, well, that was to be comfortable. 
you got to think, you know, a lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. They live day by day. So they were working for their meal as they were going. For someone to be fat or to be comfortable, to have more than they needed, that was a sign. That's what you need. That would, that would bring the, the blessed life. Laughing. This is more than laughing. This is kind of like gloating. Like I won, you lost. It's, it's success. I have success in my life. And then the final one is praised, which is just recognition. I am now received by the people around me. I am seen as higher up. I have a title and a status that, that you don't. I'm, I'm kind of doing things, right? And like I said, those are four markers even found in our culture today. And I love the way Michael puts it in his quote here because he says, the people of God will prize what the world says is desirable and, and they will suspect what the world or sorry, it will, they, they will suspect what the world considers desirable. And that's important, right? Because it's not that followers of Jesus don't, can't associate with things like money or power or success. It just means that they're not the ultimate thing. It's not like we're like, money, ooh, get it away from me. I can't do anything with it. Or power, like I'm just too humble. I can't have any power. No, it's this idea that it's suspect. It's that whenever it comes into my attention, it's not enough to stand alone. Like if I'm presented with a, a job and, and, and it's a huge increase in my salary, it's not enough to make me move. I have some more questions. What does this mean for me? What does it mean for my family? What will it cost me? All money comes with a cost. It's no longer the most important thing. It's not what I value the most. So I suspect it. Before I ever accept it or before I allow it to move in on me because my values are different. I've switched this thing upside down and I no longer value what I used to value. And that's, that's one definition of what a community is. It's just a group of people with shared values. And Jesus says, hey, in this community, I'm telling you, and he's looking out. He's seeing it played out of how bad it's going, the people living for these things. He says, it's not going to work. It'll never work. And we can try 2,000 years later with some new tactics. It's, it's still not going to work because just think about it. On a base level, if power is ultimate, and maybe we wouldn't say this out loud, but if that's what we're aiming for, if that's what we want in life is power, then at, its, at, its, at the very nature of it, I will be okay making you feel powerless as long as it means I have more power. If my life is about comfort, then I will have no problems making you feel uncomfortable if I get to be more comfortable. If, if money is my ultimate thing, I have no problems taking it from you as long as it gives me more money. If status or recognition is the thing that is ultimate to, ultimate to me, how I look, then I will allow myself to run your name through the mud if it makes me look better. And that's what Jesus is saying here is that all of these things are going to collapse in on themselves. There's no world where if you strive after money, power, success, or status, that it is going to turn out and start facing other people. There's no way it's going to create a better community around you. It's just not plausible. And you've felt this tension. Maybe you wanted to make a decision. Like you, you wanted to spend more time maybe at home. But if success is ultimate, it won't allow you to not work until midnight. It won't allow you to stay home on the weekends. You wanted to make a decision, but your values would not allow you to go there. And what I love here 
is that Jesus says you can be freed from that. That what Jesus offers here is something very different. He introduces a new set of values that don't play by the same rules. And the value system that he creates is not just for ourselves or what it looks like for us to have the best life. It's about what does it look like for all of humanity to have the best life. What does that kind of community look like? And in Matthew, uh, where we get a kind of a longer version of the teachings that we saw in Luke, Matthew adds this line that what Jesus says. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. It's so freeing because here's what that means, that I am no longer dying to receive those things and it will no longer kill me if I lose them or if I never get them because my life is about something that is so much bigger and so much greater than something that is temporary. No, 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 I'm about the eternal. I'm about the things that this world can't steal or can't take that I can't lose in a moment. Money, that can all shift in a day. I'm talking about eternity because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? So Jesus says, yeah, come on. Move your eyes, and I want you to focus on something else. And imagine that. Imagine if that moved to the top of our value system. If we said, no, 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 from here on out, I'm going to value more than anything else, seeking the kingdom of God and living righteously. Everything else is going to take a back seat. I can still care about those other things, but the, the biggest things to me are those two things. And what does that look like? If that's what we live for, if that informed all of our decisions. Well, if I was seeking the kingdom of God, that starts with me. Starts with God's spirit within me. So I'm trying to transform myself to look more and more like Jesus. That means everywhere that I go, home, school, work, gas station, Burger King, wherever you end up going, I'm bringing Jesus with me. I'm bringing the kingdom of God, which means I'm bringing a life of living righteously. All that means is to live right, to live the way God wants you to live. That when God designed this thing, he said, this will be best. And, and these are the things he said, love me with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. So what if everywhere I came in, I came in bringing love. I came in serving you because at a base level, I'm told that your needs are above my own. So I'm figuring out a way, how can I help you out? What if everywhere I went now that my money wasn't mine? That it's a platform, that, that, that it's now something I can steward. What if everywhere I went, it wasn't about my status or how you viewed me. Everything I had was now a platform for how I can tell you about who Jesus is and what his kingdom offers. It is foundationally different and it will bring different results. I mean, think, think, think about it. I, I love just being super practical because I think sometimes we like to get, you know, way up here and like, what, is, what does this mean up here? But let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Think about this. The things that, that uh, Jesus says to, to, to worry about, to, to take a step and, and, and not to just fall into these traps, what were they? Power, comfort, success, and recognition, right? He says, woe to, to, to these things. But look at this. Look how different this is. If what I'm aiming at is the kingdom of God and living righteously, weakness is not a problem anymore. I have no problem taking a lower position to give you power. I have no problem being seen as less than if it means that you can have more. Comfort. My life isn't built on comfort. I'm about sacrifice. 
So it's, it's, it's no big deal now that I have to give a little bit. I'm okay. I'm actually looking for the position. I'm not trying to protect myself. I want to know how can I sacrifice to better you and to bring glory to God. Success. It's not my thing anymore. So I'm okay with grieving. I'm okay with losing. I'm okay with missing out on a paycheck. I'm okay with missing out on whatever status they think that it's going to bring me. I can take that and it won't crush me. I'm okay with recognition or not getting recognition. I can be excluded. I don't need the number one spot. Because I know who I am. My identity is not found in some title that someone gave me that can take away. My title is found in who God says I am, that I'm a child of God, that nothing can steal it from me. So take whatever you want. I can't be crushed. And here's why that's important, why why Jesus kicks off with this, this value system. Because our values, our values won't allow us to violate what's most important. Our values act quickly, our values prioritize, and we might not always like our values, but in the moment, they're true. In the moment, we value this over that. We we value the benefits over here over the consequences of receiving that. And sometimes our values get out of whack. Sometimes we don't even realize we're valuing things more than others. Sometimes we feel childish because we value certain things more than others. Maybe you've ever been, I don't know, I've never experienced this, but maybe you've been in a fight with your wife and you valued, (laughs) not good folks like you, um, maybe you valued being right more than having a healthy relationship. So which meant then you valued, I don't know, silent treatment for the next 24 hours and awkward moves in the house where you don't even make eye contact with this other person. You look back and you're like, that was foolish. What was that? It's I valued being right. I valued holding on to my stance more than I valued her or him. I valued that more than sacrificing. I valued that more than being able to grieve a little bit and say, I'm going to take this loss. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have said what what I said. Uh, Like I said, I'm not speaking from personal experience here, but I thought that that could be helpful to anyone that's listening. What Jesus offers here is beautiful because he takes these things that we've been just built into us from an early age, that these are the most important things, that if you get them, then you will have the best life and they're worth everything. So spare no expense. And he takes them and in a few lines flips them on their head and says, it's not going to work. And and it's just freeing to know that you're worth so much more than anything money could tell you, anything a title could give you. It's freeing. And that is something that Jesus offers, freedom from those things. But what I do want to make sure everyone hears is that you're free from that, but you are not excluded from the pain. You know, I I catch this sometimes. People come into church and they think, "I, I just want a better life but you got to be careful of what better life you're looking for. If you're, if you're coming to church thinking a better life is going gonna, is gonna to shortcut you into getting those other things like money, power, uh, status, comfort, it's not going to bring you those things. But what it will give you is something that, that can't be taken. Because as followers of Jesus, we still experience pain. 
As followers of Jesus, we still lose our jobs. Our loved ones still get sick, they get cancer. We still face things like anxiety and depression, but they don't crush us. Because our lives are not built on these other things, our, our lives are built on this solid foundation that nothing can steal, no storm can take. So no matter what comes, and it will come, I'm not breaking, I'm not folding, and I can stand in tears, I can be on my knees and grieving, and you can take everything you can, but you can't take Jesus from me, and that's the power of it. I'm telling you, I love the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians. Paul is this guy that, that lived it. He took Jesus' teaching seriously. He was a part of this community, and look at the way he describes it. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through sufferings, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live in constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live, this is one of the coldest lines in the Bible, we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. You wanna know the difference between what Jesus offers as the best life, the best community, and what anything else will tell you. Jesus' life is for you. What he offers is for you. Money will never be for you. Power will never be for you. It will destroy you from the inside out. Jesus says, I'm trying to build you from the inside out with something that is so strong that you can face death in the face and say, I'm going to keep on moving because you can't take what I have. There's this incredible thing that Jesus offers here of a solid foundation, of a new value system that we can begin to live with. And I know 2020 has been tough on a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And maybe as you're sitting there today, your value system, as you begin to kind of think through it, maybe it's not where you thought it was or it's not where you want it to be. What I wanna do with just our time left is, is just to ask a few questions to help you navigate your value system. And then one step, if you're ready to take it. But the first two questions, uh, the first question to kind of think through that, your value system is this. More than anything else, what do you long for? What do you long for? And, and I mean, you can write down the first thing that comes to your mind, but also place this against your life. Where does all your time go? Where does all your resources go? Where does all your mind power Go. What is it the thing in the back of your mind, whether you vocalize it or not, you believe that, that if I had this, my life would be better. My situation would be better. I would be more loved. I would be more accepted if I, if I had that. What do you prize? And the second thing is this. More than anything else, what do you fear? What is it that you fear? What is it you're afraid of losing? What is it that's, only, that's stopping you, keeping you at a distance from Jesus and the life that he wants for you because you're afraid of losing it. Thinking I can't do this because that would mean I wouldn't be seen like that. What is it? What is it that you're so afraid of losing? What is it that you're striving after? They're kind of two sides, but they bring control and they're both 
crazy when you think about it. It reminds me, I was talking, my dad growing up, he said there's two kinds of people you never want to fight. Someone that loves more than anything to hurt someone and someone that will do anything to not be hurt. If we live our lives longing for the right things, are so afraid of losing them, we will be in such control that we will never be able to experience true community. We will never be able to experience the love and the life that God has for us right now, not one day in eternity. We're talking right now. And I know these two questions, they open up a lot. And you're probably processing right now. And I'm telling you, from my space here, from looking out, I can't pinpoint what those are for you. I can't hold you necessarily accountable to all of those things, but there are people that can. And we love to create these spaces where that can happen, and they're called groups. A group is just a community, a small group of people that get together and to help do what Jesus has called us to do. To ask the questions, are you seeking the kingdom of God? Are you living righteously? Is there anything you need to let go of? Is there anything you need to embrace? They're people that are for you because the best seasons of, of life are not found in the best circumstances. They're found in the best community. And if that's you, if you're looking for a group, you're up for it, we would love to have you check it out. And you can text the word GROW to 87221. Someone from our team will follow up with you this week. We'd love to help you get in community. And I just want to close with this. It is so easy in our culture, this achievement culture, to walk away from these things. Because we know what it feels like to receive them. Money, power, status, comfort. We know how other people view us when we have them. But there's this scary thing that happens. That if we begin to attach those values, those things to our worth and our identity, they will crush us. The moment that they're taken away, the moment they decrease, the moment we can't get them the way we want them, the moment someone takes them from us, if our value and our identity and our worth is attached to it, down we go as well. But what Jesus offers through this teaching, in this upside down kingdom, this community that is like nothing else. He says, no, 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 embrace it. Embrace the, this life that you have, whether you have a lot or you have a little, in any moment and at all times, seek first me and my kingdom. Don't get caught up in the rat race. And I love that Jesus not only taught this, he modeled it. I mean, think about the life of Jesus. There was no one that had more power, more success, more recognition, more comfort than God himself. If he was all about power, he never would have left heaven. He came to earth born as a baby. Babies are a lot of things. Powerful is not one of them. He became powerless. He had no reason to sacrifice, but he chose to, leaving heaven for who? For you, for me that Jesus would go to a cross and he would grieve and not grieve anything for himself. Jesus, the son of God would come here and grieve for us. He would bore our sins. He would take our mistakes, our pain, and he would nail it to a cross and he would die for me and for you. That doesn't happen unless he's living this community that he's talking about. But Jesus didn't just come to die. Jesus came to rise. Three days later, 
Jesus would rise from the grave, coming back. And what did he do this time? He was given the status. He lived the perfect life. He, took, he looked to God and said, no, 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 give the status to them. Give my perfect life to them. Let them be seen like you see me, the power. No, 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 give it to them. Give them my very spirit so that they can not only want to do it, but they can be empowered to do it. Give it all to them. This is the God that we came here to celebrate. This is why we gather together every single Sunday. This is why we have the strongest community, because we have Jesus. And that community is offered up to you every single day. And we would love to be here for you. If that's you, if you wanna start following Jesus, you can text the word Jesus to 87221. Someone from our team will follow up with you this week. And what I wanna do right now is I just wanna ask you to stand. I just wanna ask you to stand because you see without that invitation, without Jesus left on our own, we will continue to build the same community. One marked by power, one marked by money, one that leads to self-destruction. But only Jesus says that want that you have, that, that void that you're filling, only I can fill it. And here's the good news, I want to that I want to be able to provide this kind of community where you're not alone, you always have me and you have people around you. I mean, church, the best community, we call it church. The best community, we call it church. That's why we're here. We're admitting, we're weak, admitting we need God, admitting we, we need one another. And then we come in here and we say, God, do what only you can do. God, bring us in. What I just wanna ask right now is just to go there. Take your imagination there. And we're gonna talk about what would that new community look like? We're gonna celebrate that for a second. Not the communities we came from, not the community, the, the lies we bought into, but what about this new community? What would that look like? If we left here and sought first the kingdom of God and living righteously, what would that look like? What would our house look like? What would our work life look like? What would our neighborhoods look like? What would our kids look like? If we would say, no, this isn't about me or receiving something, this is about me living for you, that I'm gonna come and I'm gonna bring peace with me. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna bring love with me. I'm gonna serve you and I'm gonna serve those around me. What about this new community that's able to grieve, that we're not waiting for a perfect moment so that we can share with you who God is and what he's done for us? No, even in our lowest moments, even in our tears, we can say everything may be taken, but let me tell you about Jesus that nobody can take from me. Let me tell you about Jesus who empowers me every single day. That that's what we get to be a part of, the best community. And what I wanna do right now is just pray. And if you're up for it and if you wanna see it, pray with me, that we could see that community. What Jesus calls heaven on earth, his kingdom could come here. And you wanna talk about revival stories. God coming and moving, it starts with a small group of people saying, take me. Send me, God, I'll go. I'll be where, I'll be that where I am, no matter where I am, no matter what circumstance you put me in, I'm gonna represent you. So would you pray with me for this new community to be unleashed, both here in the city of Indy and everywhere that you're watching from as well. Pray with me. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your new community. God, we thank you that, that you could poke holes in this way of life that we think will bring us so much, but if we just took a second 
God, we would realize that it's only moments away from exploding, hurting us and the ones we love. But God, we believe that through your spirit, we believe through your new community, we believe valuing what you value, God can bring us into new life and new community and restored relationships and better marriages. And we would become better fathers and better mothers that as a result of your community, it's not just us that benefits from it, but it's all of humanity. So God, we pray that as we go, that we're not a, just a benefit to other churches, to other Christians, but God, we would be wanted everywhere we go. We would be met with curiosity that people would wanna know about this community and we could offer it to them. We could tell them about you, Jesus. God, let you be on our lips. Yeah, let you be the one we celebrate. Let you be the one we showcase. Let you be the one we thank. God, we thank you for this moment in time to celebrate you. We love you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.